Bruce Brown is introduced as an Indiana Pacer and Tyrese Halliburton's extension is official and announced. We got a lot to talk about from the pressers, the latest on Chris Duarte's trade, and Obi Toppin. It's all coming today on the Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today, lots to get to on the free agency front because a lot became official yesterday, Thursday, for uh, those of you who are not listening on Friday, uh, on Thursday, a lot became official. Bruce Brown officially signed and introduced to the media. We got to meet him, talk to him, figure out how he became a Pacer. And then a few minutes later, Tyrese Halliburton walks up on the stage. Lo and behold, he signed his contract extension. Lots of details with both of those guys. And the Chris Duarte trade is official, so we have the official price there. Obi Toppin trade not official. We'll talk about that in the third segment. Um, not the trade not being official, but just the latest on Obi Toppin and some little discussions coming as well. So just a lot of new details on the Pacers summer, their free agency, and their new look team. But we will start with what I consider to be the biggest news of the day, and that is all about Tyrese Halberton's extension details, because I think the biggest thing that was found out, among many important things, uh, on Thursday is that Tyrese Halberton's new contract with the Pacers does not have a player option. That means he is under contract with the Pacers through the 2028-2029 season, no matter what, on the Pacers' control. If they trade, I'm sure that's something different, but there's no way for him to opt out after 2027-28. The clock is long as it can possibly be, and that's huge for the Pacers. That can be a big negotiating point. Donovan Mitchell got a player option on his deal, so he only has one more year before he could potentially opt out, I believe, uh, with the Cavs, for example. There's some other guys who've gotten player options off of rookie deals in the past. It's a big deal. Uh, either way, and a big sticking point in negotiations, Halliburton, no player option. That's humongous for the Pacers who can now have him as long as possible. And that's also significant because the Pacers got him on his rookie contract, meaning that he would be eligible for designated veteran extensions in the future. So if he makes All-NBA after being in the league for seven years and he's still with the Pacers, they could extend him on that 35% max early. And they're the only team in the league that would be able to do that now. They would have been able to do that if this extension was shorter too, but now there's more years in which he's under contract with the Pacers in which he could become eligible for said extension, and they would have the upper hand in keeping him again. Kevin Pritchard jokingly said, keeping him, joked about keeping him for 15 years during the presser, but having him for now the next six seasons under contract, that's unheard of in the NBA these days, and a significant win for the Pacers in these negotiations. Now to get that done, I'm told, uh, I guess I don't know that these are related, but I imagine they are. Um, for Halberton to get to 30% of the max, he just has to make any All-NBA team or be M MVP or Defensive Player of the Year. So if he's third-team All-NBA, his contract would jump up to 30% of the max. But remember, that has to be this coming season in 2023-24. If he doesn't make it in 23-24, his contract would be 25% of the cap, even if he got All-NBA in any future season. So that's also significant for Halliburton that it's the, the most lenient way for him to get the most money. And he could be in the All-NBA mix, certainly, this coming season. He also has a 15% trade kicker, another enticing way. Uh, for him to to get in on the deal, right? If he gets traded, salary goes up 15%. Sounds great. Uh, not that 
the Pacers would ever want to trade him. In fact, that would dissuade them from doing so even more than having a talented young player on their team already would. But just another bell and whistle to make this the perfect contract for both sides. But no player option. Absolutely massive for the Pacers. A huge win. And we got to hear from Halburn, which was, of course, wonderful. He felt good about how quickly it all kind of came together and got done, right? He was out at dinner um, the night that it actually became official. And you know his girlfriend had already set up all this stuff for that party that they had and all that. He loved how quickly it came together and how the Pacers were just like, yep, let's do this. Let's get this done because that always makes you feel good. And something I'm always curious about with, with him and this Pacers team, I've asked this twice now, is... You know, last year was fun and they were great and they exceeded expectations and now everybody believes they can be good and there's a blueprint for them to be good. Now what happens when there is expectations? One, because they have placed them on themselves by saying they want to be in the playoffs, but two, because of this significant investment in a franchise talent. Halbert says, I don't care about expectations. They'll set their own expectations and they'll deal with it as they come, but they'll have internal expectations they care about. And Halliburton just wants to be the best version of himself. He wants to find out what that can be. And he wants to make the organization happy because they've made him happy all along the way. The specific way he phrased that to us in our little media scrum after the press conference with him was, quote, the way to do that is to win. 100% true, right? If he comes through this and for the next six years they make the playoffs in all six years, his legacy will start to be cemented with this team. Obviously, playoff victories will be a requirement fairly soon into this. I don't know if I would call it a new era, but the the more competitive portions of this era, right? The Pacers have not won a playoff game since 2018, right? That is something that they would like to do, I'm certain, uh, sooner rather than later. They haven't even made the postseason since the bubble, right? They made the play-in tournament the following year, but the funny thing about that was there was also no fans for that for much much of that season. So um, just getting back into that level of team and growing with Halburn will be significant. And he knows winning will be huge in making everyone involved in this, including himself, happy. He also wants to make his family proud. And this isn't like the most basketball-related thing ever, but seeing him tear up talking about his mom and his dad and his journey to becoming this player, one that is one of the best in the league and one of the best people in the league um, was certainly a heart-tugging moment. And um, I loved hearing his story about how his mom hadn't missed a game until his freshman year of college when her plane wouldn't take off to get to Texas Tech (laughs) when he was playing for Iowa State. Like He remembers all of that little stuff. And I think that just shows his commitment to people. I'm going to have a story on this in the coming days. I'm not sure exactly when, but this reaffirms something that's happened with him a lot. He always commits to his people. He he wanted to do it with the Kings. Uh, That obviously did not stay the case and he's done it multiple times throughout his life and now he's doing it again with the Pacers and that's why him shouting out his family was extremely relevant I think to me and the type of person that Tyrese Halliburton is and now he wants to take his people to a new height and whatever that may be who knows we'll see what that is this year we'll see what it is in following years but they certainly have the blueprint to do it they were in playoff position for a decent part of this past season with just Turner and Halberton playing I've parroted this a million times and I will continue to they were 27 and 22 add Bruce Brown to that add other stuff to that perhaps that could be better with some better health but we'll have to see a lot about the Pacers coming season in which Tyrese Halberton's on a cheap contract for the last time because that man is about to get paid for the next five years after that with the amounts of that based on how the league does this season and how he does this season, right? His contract is based on a percentage of the cap. So for Halbert to make the most money possible, the league would have to make enough money to bump the cap up 10% and he would have to make all NBA. Two things that I think are very possible given how he plays and how the NBA is trending, but uh, perfect guy to, to receive a contract like this in terms of being a good player 
and a good person. Quite frankly, a no-brainer for everyone. That's why I think it got done so quick, you know, even over a quick dinner conversation. And now, as I've said, the next steps for the Pacers are building around him and with him and how fitting that Tyrese Halliburton is a partner with the franchise. So building around him, he's involved in that. Uh, we saw him at the draft workouts, but he admitted even more, and Bruce Brown admitted even more, at the pressers on Thursday, Halliburton recruiting Bruce Brown to the Pacers, a part of their pitch to lure the na- the former Nuggets guard to Indiana, a crucial part of Halliburton's background, right? Apparently, he was part of the recruiting for Aiton as well, and now jumping in on the Bruce Brown train, and hey, both of those guys ended up signing with the Pacers. So maybe Tyrese Halliburton does have this gifted talent that Kevin Pritchard always talks about and luring those guys to Indiana, especially after a Team USA trip this summer, could be significant for the franchise going forward. And speaking of Bruce Brown, we got to meet him uh, in his Pacers gear and attire for the first time on Thursday, talking about the process that led him to the team and all sorts of other interesting stuff. Let's talk about Bruce Brown, the new Pacer, and what he thinks about it, what Rick Carlisle thinks about it, Kevin Pritchard, Tyrese Halliburton, everybody involved earlier this week. It was very fun to see him. And wearing number 11 certainly threw me off. Alex Golden, I think, was the first person I saw tweet this. But I didn't even realize that since they traded Sabonis, there hadn't been an 11, and it doesn't actually matter. But it certainly threw me off to see it. Anyway, let's talk about his presser uh, and what Bruce Brown had to say. Before we do that, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Last year, I went through a lot of changes in my life from living situation to job, and there was a lot of uncertainty along the way. And I was trying to figure out what the right path forward for me was. And in life, we're faced with tough choices. The path forward isn't always clear. Whether you're dealing with decisions around your career, relationships, or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while navigating life so you can move forward with confidence and excitement. Trusting yourself to make decisions that align with your values is like anything. The more you practice it, the easier it gets. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself, and it's not just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on NBA. Thank you as always for making locked on pictures your first listen today and every single day. For your second listen, jump on over to I think the only signing I saw go go through the wire yesterday was Montrez Harrell to the Sixers. Maybe that's just the most recent one I remember. There was some weird trade stuff that became official that were already announced or leaked, but this Montrez Harrell one's new and very confusing to me. Locked on Sixers for more on Philly, who also might have to trade James Harden pretty soon. But on another note, Bruce Brown. We already knew the contract. Two years, $45 million with that team option on the second year. But it's now official. Bruce Brown is a pacer. Got to see him walk up on stage and speak to the media on Thursday. Um, and it was cool to hear kind of how his process went through free agency beyond that Halliburton recruiting part, which I think was really interesting because this all kind of came together really quick, right? Like if you saw, if you were on the internet <laughs> when free agency started at 6 p.m. on the 30th, you know, some people already had, like Alex Golden already had up that a source told him that Bruce Brown had agreed with the Pacers, and I thought that he had a couple of meetings lined up for early in free agency, whatever the, what you consider a meeting now, it's so fast, right? It's not like you're sitting in a conference room and going through a PowerPoint, but either way, uh, it was a quick process, and Brown detailed that pretty early on, uh, that timing, Tyrese Halberton called him 
with a nice recruiting pitch. And Halliburton was saying things like, yeah, here's how I think you'd fit with our team. Here's what's awesome about our team. And so do the transition play. It's really fun. And we'd fit well together. And Brown cut him off in the middle of it. And he said, dude, I get it. I'm going to fit there. I, I think I think it'd be a great fit. And Halliburton said, he told us, he said, all right, bet. And that was that. And Halliburton, excuse me, Brown did, of course, actually have his meeting, meeting, such a funny word for this, with the Pacers. And then it was like 6.15 that it got out that he had agreed to terms with the Pacers. So a quick recruitment, Halliburton jumping in was being significant. The only team Brown said he met with prior to the Pacers, I keep cracking up at myself saying met with, was the Knicks, uh, who only had the mid-level exception to offer. Dante DiVincenzo took that money from them, and it was four years, $50 million, right? Uh, Brown could get close to that in two years if his team option gets picked up next year, right? No brainer for him to make that all happen. So the Knicks part goes right past them, comes to the Pacers, thinks he fits well with the team. They offer him the money he wants. It all just comes together so quickly. And the contract also, of course, is a big factor here. But I thought this was interesting. Like, yeah, it's a team option, but what if that's motivating? What if Bruce Brown comes to the Pacers similar to the Nuggets last year, although there's a player option there and says, this is a contract year. I could be a free agent again next year if I stink. Perhaps that's motivating. And he's didn't he just said, no, nah, you know, I'm not really wired that way. Like he's just kind of gonna play hard and be motivated anyway. And I believe that because he's played that way his whole career. But he did say it could be a motivating thing, even though he'll be grinding with this team no matter what. Now, when Bruce Brown, when I asked him specifically, where do you feel like you fit best with this team, he jumped right to defense, right? That was the first thing he said. He said, defense, I'm a defender. That's how I got in the league. That's how I've played a lot in the league. So I'm just going to come in and help guard the best offensive player. And I think that is, of course, one of his biggest fits with the team. He might be the best point of attack defender day one. Um, that's where he's been huge for Denver in the postseason, obviously. Even in the regular season, that's where he was huge for Brooklyn. That team needed defense so bad. They were playing him at the four. Um, Detroit, he was guarding guards and playing the one sometimes for them. When they made the, the Pistons made the playoffs with Bruce Brown early in his career, right? Like he's shown that defense everywhere he's gone and helped elevate teams to a postseason level. So the defense was his answer for where he feels like he can help this team the best. Rick Carlisle, when I asked him something similar, where do you feel like Bruce can fit in? And I asked him kind of an iteration of that, both on the podium and later in our little media scrum off to the side. Um, the things I said out to him, one was the transition play. Um, Rick had a stat about Bruce Brown's effective field goal percentage in transition being among the best in the league, if not the best. Um, maybe he's referring to something a little different than NBA's just like generic transition stats. But uh Either way, Bruce Brown's effective field goal percentage in transition last year was phenomenal, 70.7%. And so one of the things that stood out to Rick was that fits with the team's identity and with Halburn in that way is like he, you know, and I've talked about this, like his play in transition is phenomenal. Rick came ready with the stats. And given that the Pacers play fast and if they sh could and should theoretically with a good defender like Bruce Brown on their team get more stops, that fit seems snug. That seems like a way that they can accentuate their positives and become a better team next year with him and Halbert, especially together. That seems like a very good fit for a transition team. The other thing Rick Carlisle said he likes, and this is like something that's been alluded to, but not really um, discussed to the, a lot, for at least here on Locked On Pacers, is kind of the malleability, the ability to play a bunch of positions. Because, you know, I've talked about the two, three part of this a lot. Like he could play the two, he could play the three. And, but he could kind of do a lot more than that, right? He was a point guard prospect at times. He's played the four for Brooklyn before. Like, he's played so 
many positions throughout his career and done it well that he can kind of play anywhere. I don't think he'll play the four for the Pacers very much, to be clear. And Rick even said he'll have a little bit more of a conventional role with this team. But the fact that he can capably do so many things allows him to fit in in basically any lineup, right? And that's going to be big for the Pacers, who are going to be figuring out their rotation with lots of guys as the season starts. Um, but I just think that versatility is something that, that Rick's going to value and could be important for for this Pacers team. And the other part of that for me personally is I've kind of ascribed to the theory for a while. Again, if you've listened to the show, you might roll your eyes at me saying this now, but you are what you guard. If you can guard a position, you are that position. And if you can't, it's a lot harder for you to play that position. Well, Bruce Brown can guard a ton of positions, right? He even alluded to defending one through four when he was talking about how he can fit with the Pacers on the defensive end, uh, someone else mentioned one through four as well. Like that's huge. He, I wouldn't play him at the four naturally all the time. There's some giant fours in the league, but Bruce Brown can capably play several positions and guard several positions. And that is significant for the flexibility he provides from a lineup perspective and just from a talent perspective with this Pacers team. And, and Rick was all over that. Even Ty really liked that. Um, but Bruce specifically, when it came to like what position he would play, for the Pacers. Is he going to start at the two? Is he going to start at the three? Is his position actually going to be a thing? He doesn't really care what position he plays. He just wants to help the team win. Um, he also was asked if he thinks he'll be a starter. He says, I don't care if I start. I don't care if I come off the bench. It's not a big thing to me, which is, of course, the best answer to give and the best thing for fans to want to hear. Um, and I don't know if he actually does care or not. Some players say they don't, and then they don't start, and then they do care. Uh, but I suspect, um, look, this is just a suspicion, but you don't run out and give a guy $22 million 15 minutes into free agency to have him come off the bench. Maybe he doesn't actually start. I mean, I there are good reasons for uh, various guys at those two, three spots to be the starters, but I suspect Bruce Brown will be among the opening five of the Pacers this year for the reasons that have already been laid out. The fact that he can do so many things in the defensive end, that he fits really well with Halberton specifically in transition. Um, those things will be really beneficial when playing alongside Tyrese Halliburton, who's definitely going to start. So I don't know that he will, and there is good reason to potentially have him with the bench where he could be a little bit more of an on-ball guy because he can do stuff with the ball. He's played point guard in his life before, but I suspect you'll see Bruce Brown as a starter. But as the day kind of progressed and everybody kept talking about Bruce Brown, it just became clear, like kind of a perfect fit, right? I don't want to keep harping on that specifically, but you know, I, I think I have a lot with the finances and how this has all worked out. But if he even... If he maintains 35% from three, just 35%, it's not even a good number. That's just okay. If he maintains that level of efficiency with the Pacers, he's a perfect fit. He plays well the way they play. He can cover for their holes on the defensive end. He's a great fit with their best player. If he's not clogging up spacing, he is a fantastic fit with this Pacers team. And it makes all the sense in the world why everybody was, was so excited about his fit. And that's kind of the direction I went. If you want to read more quotes from the presser, and again, the presser you can see uh, on some of the Pacers social channels. But after the presser, sometimes we get some time with a lot of key people. So we got to talk to Tyrese Halbert and Bruce Brown and Rick Carlisle. Um, but I wrote a story, Bruce, the headline, Bruce Brown can be whatever the Indiana Pacers need him to be, because that was one of my big takeaways from all the stuff we were hearing from those key people within the Pacers. And you can read some of those quotes in that story. Bruce Brown going to be a very good fit with this Pacers team to me. And his signing is now official. Speaking of official, Chris Duarte is no longer a Pacer. He's a Sacramento King and Obi Toppin is officially technically still a New York Nick, although that will change at some point in the coming days. Let's talk about what we know about those trades now, uh, the value of them, and the latest on that front. Thank you, as always, for making Locked on Pacers your first listen today 
and every single day for your second listen. How about Locked on Thunder? The Thunder have ducked all of the big player trade rumors all summer, and they just got Patty Mills in this weird trade. Um, that's a good one. Locked on Spurs, they just got Reggie Bullock in a fun trade. Grant Williams is a Mav. That's a fun one. There's any Locked on NBA team pod is going to be fun in the early portions of free agency. Speaking of free agency, let's close out today's show with two moves the Pacers have made that were trades instead of free agency during the free agency period. We'll start with the guy coming in that has a lot more fan interest right now, and that's Obi Toppin, who still is not technically a Pacer. That trade has not been announced yet. Don't even think about that. It's just how this works. It's, there's no reason for it to happen right away. Uh, the Knicks have their own stuff to think about and get in the right order. It's going to happen. It's fine. Uh, but it hasn't happened yet. So we haven't met Obi Toppin. I can't say anything about him specifically. We did find out. Thank you, Dustin Dopirak, for getting this out there from the Indy Star. Dustin did a killer job yesterday. Uh, the Pacers trade for Toppin was they are sending the least favorable of the 2028 second round picks that they have, which is their own and the Sun second rounder. And they're also sending the least favorable of the Pacers and Wizards 2029 second rounders. Uh, to get Obi Toppin. So the least favorable means the worst, right? If the Pacers pick in 2028 is 40 and the Suns is 45, 45 is the one that goes to the Knicks and the Pacers keep 40. Um, So that's great business to me. I mean, two worst of second rounders. I already have said this. Even if you're not high on Toppin and you don't necessarily think he's a long-term fit with the Pacers, at this price, it's a great trade, right? Even just as a flyer for a year, if he's terrible, you, you gave up already a low amount the fact that it's worst of seconds this far out is really good business by the Pacers because they can now also trade the best of second in that package in a different trade like that's good 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 business and I get why the Knicks did it Obi wasn't going to play for them they needed to clear up the tiniest bit of money to be able to sign DiVincenzo and standard the tax that's all great but this is just fantastic value for the Pacers, and once we meet Obi Toppin, I'm excited to learn more and talk more about him, but from a trade perspective, that's great work from the Pacers' front office. And another little tidbit, if you'll let me. I've seen this take a lot today. Oh, well, they got two seconds for Chris, and they traded two for Obi, so they effectively traded Chris for Obi. No, no, no. The seconds they got for Chris are good seconds. The seconds they sent for Obi are bad seconds. So already I disagree with that premise. But here's a premise I would like to put in fans' heads. Um, the Suns' second rounder in 2028 and the Wizards' second rounder in 2029. Those seconds were both acquired in the Jarris Walker draft night trade with the Wizards. That's the two seconds the Pacers got to move back from seven to eight. So at worst, let's say the Pacers uh, are, are terrible in 2028 and 2029. And so they end up sending the Suns and Wizards seconds to the Knicks. That means in the worst case scenario where the Pacers are terrible six years from now, they still effectively traded the seventh pick for Jarris Walker and Obi Toppin, which is a player they wanted anyway, and they get Obi Toppin on top of it. And if, if in just one of those years their pick is actually the worst one, then they got even more plus value out of that trade. So that's how I'm going to view it is is effectively the Pacers traded their seventh pick for the eighth pick and Obi Toppin. And, a, and that's the worst case scenario for that trade. In theory and in likelihood, it will be better than that, especially given where the Suns are right now. So uh, that's just fantastic value for a guy like Obi Toppin. And, and look, the tricky part of these pressers is the moratorium is over now. So 
so players could talk about their teams and the signings and all that that are official. The OB trade was not official, so no one could say his name. I won't say who did, but one person accidentally slipped up and said his name and then jokingly was like, oh, I can't talk about that yet. But like, it's like this elephant in the room of like everybody knows, but it's not official. So there was like a little bit of alluding to him at the presser, I'll say. Um, a lot of talk about his transition game, similarly to Bruce Brown, ironically, his um, his transition play and stats in transition were brought up, which, again, could make him a great fit. And that was alluded to a few times, actually. So that's, of course, an alluring thing about him and what he could be. And, again, per my knowledge, and I'm almost certain this is the case, snow hiccups just hasn't happened yet. Uh, I'd assume it it happens Friday, Saturday, whatever. And Obi Toppin will be on the Pacers. And maybe we'll have a presser after Summer League. Who knows? But there's going to be a lot of logistical hurdles to having it extremely soon from uh, a transactions perspective. We'll see when Obi officially becomes a Pacer, but that trade is just fantastic value. And speaking of value, Chris Duarte trade also, this one is official, unlike the Obi Toppin trade. I almost just said also official, even though the Obi one isn't. Um, I said that I thought you know a late first was about Duarte's value now, and I'd have been hesitant to sell him for less than that as the Pacers, though if they did sell him for less than that, I would understand why, even if I wouldn't have done it. And I would have understood why, because they just got Bruce Brown, and they drafted Ben Shepard. And all of a sudden, they have a lot of guys in that 2-3 mix who could be in the mix for minutes. And to recite them again, you know, Matherin, Brown, Heald, Shepard, Neesmith, and Nemhard. And and if Nemhard plays backup one, then you have to talk about McConnell as well. Like that's a lot of names for minutes. And so if Chris Duarte was also in the mix, there's even less spot there. So it seems like, you know, moving off of one of those guys makes at least one of those guys makes a lot of sense. And because someone in that group is certainly probably not going to play, and if Duarte was on the team likely two guys, they have a lot less value to the Pacers than they would somewhere else. Meanwhile, Getting draft picks does have value to the Pacers, who can then use those picks at some point in the future to get something that does fit their team or does make sense for their roster. So, well, I don't know if this is like exact value. It is for the Pacers, probably roughly exact value. So we did get details on this one uh, again. So to the Kings goes Chris Duarte. To the Pacers goes two second round picks. Uh, the Kings release says 2028 and 2023 seconds. Dustin Dopirak, again, good reporting, said that it's the 2028 Dallas second rounder and the 2023 Kings second rounder. If you listen to me uh, muse about that trade, I predicted that there's a chance that that Mavs second is in there because it could be a good second. That's post Kyrie's contract. The Mavs have basically no draft assets for the next five years, and that's post-Luka's contract. If Luka leaves the Mavs, that could be a really, really good second. I also have heard that there's maybe that's like a best-of pick in there somewhere. I can't get this confirmed, so who knows? So perhaps that pick could be even a little better, but who knows what the Kings timeline is. Fox will be a free agent before 2030. Um... Sabonis will be as well. Potentially, those are two very good seconds, unlike the top and ones that project to be at best mediocre seconds. So they could both be bad. That totally could be bad. You never know when you're projecting five, 10, whatever, however many, you can't trade a pick 10 years away. But when you're projecting a pick this far out, you never know. So um, just going off of where it looks like all these teams are trending, yeah, those picks could be pretty solid, um, but you never really know. Same thing could be said for the OB trade, I suppose. They look like they could be bad seconds, but perhaps they could be good. We'll see 
where this all shakes out. But even from a value perspective, I get it with Obi. Um, for the Pacers, I get it with Duarte, even though I would have liked to get more value for him if I were in charge. But that probably wasn't out there. They're not dumb. They're not going to trade him for less value on purpose. And nothing else is involved in the trade. So I get it. After the season Chris Duarte just had, right? His trooper shooting percentage, like I knew this, but I just saw it again today. It was under 50%. Like that's just brutally low and i get all the factors that went into it right the 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 ankle injuries galore on that same one multiple times and right when he was finally starting to gel with this team he misses six weeks and then he comes back and he gets hurt again but in that little interim his his role kind of changed a few times and then throughout the season he went from starter to bench and the ankle hurts again late in march like it just all was awful at the same time and that's all a bummer but also i think He's a much better fit on a slower-paced team, and the Kings do play pretty fast, but their half-court stuff is more, not is less random than the Pacers is, I would say, and I think that will be better for him. I think he'll fit with Domas, as we've seen, in a Pacers uniform. So uh, I think there's a lot of reasons his year was bad last year uh, for Chris Duarte, and that certainly influences his value after a really great rookie year, and it's just a bummer ending to an interesting start to his career. I still, maybe this is totally foolish because I just, like I said, his true shooting percentage was under 50 last year. I still believe in his shooting. I think that's probably his best projectable NBA skill to me. Um, and numbers say, Tony, you're an idiot. Stop saying that out loud. But I'll believe it until we have a couple years of him just being an atrocious shooter. We'll see where he actually settles in. But he is now a Sacramento King, and the Pacers are two second-round picks richer for doing the trade. That is up to the date everything we know about the Pacers free agency and everything said about what they've done. So until they make moves, probably not as much to say about these guys and just general free agency stuff. Obviously this podcast, if you're this far in was not about summer league, which I said it would be until uh, the pressers were announced and, and happened. So now another bonus episode Saturday show. Thankfully the Pacers don't play till Saturday will be a summer league preview, getting you prepped for all the game action in Vegas. And guess what? I'll be there. And guess what? My credential is kind of through locked on, which is great. So uh, on YouTube, you might get some bonus co video content from the newest Pacers out in Vegas. Really looking forward to being out there and seeing this younger team play. And then next week, we'll blend in some summer league discussion with some free agency discussion and talk about what the Pacers could still do this summer. And uh, yeah, there's still a lot to get to. The offseason is still technically young, even though it's been basically a week now. Thank you guys for sticking around and listening to all these shows. After tomorrow's show, we'll be at 19 and 21 days, which is quite the run here for Lockdown Pacers. Enjoying every second of it and really liking interacting with everybody who's got a lot of opinions about the team and free agency. It's a very fun time for everybody. Uh, and yeah, back tomorrow talking Summer League, which is one of my favorite times of the year. Low expectation, low stakes basketball with actual pros is as fun as it gets. I can't wait. And we'll have it all for you tomorrow. Thank you all a ton for listening. Have a fantastic weekend. We will see you soon.